Hi, my name is Eric, and as long as I can remember, I've loved horror. Horror movies, horror novels, horror comics. My life's milestones can be measured by the genre. It's given me years of entertainment, as well as countless sleepless nights. It has kept me young at heart and filled my mind with wonderful memories that I cherish. This podcast is my way of sharing those moments with you. So, starting with my birth year of 1971, I'll be listing my top horror films of every year of my life and discussing each one in detail with a little help from my friends. Join us as we journey from the cradle to the grave. Hello, welcome to Cradle to the Grave. I'm your host, Eric, and this is a special On the Brink of Horror episode. You know those episodes where I talk about a movie that is not quite horror, but kind of horror, but not really. You know, On the Brink. This time I changed the format up a bit and did a chat with the owner of Body Tribe Fitness, musician and author Chip Conrad. Be sure to go to the show notes and check out the links to his stuff. Chip and I did this chat pretty much on the fly and had an absolute blast chatting about The Poseidon Adventure. I want to appeal to you for the last time. You don't know what you're talking about. I know this much. The sea is going to keep pouring in. We're going to keep settling deeper and deeper. We may even go under before we get up to the bottom to cut our way out. But it's something to try as a chance. We might make it. If you stay here, you'll certainly die. We are staying with the banker! Couldn't talk anybody else into coming, huh? No, we're on our own. All right, let's get inside. Water really quick. Okay, I'm recording, but go get your water. Okay, give me one second. This is going to be loosey-goosey, dude. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's Chip Conrad. What's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Like officially, you were on the show once before. Um, you're just your voice. You weren't live or anything, but now you're totally live talking to me. How exciting is that? <laughs> it is exciting. You were on for the uh clockwork orange on the brink of horror episode and now you're back for another on the brink of horror you're going to be you're going to be my on the brink of horror guy i think i think that's going um, to be your official I need to position be a go-to. i need to be a go-to for something so i'm good for that. <laughs> well you you're hired bro um how you doing man i'm well how are you i am good i'm doing good man i'm excited to talk about this movie kind of uh you know i, I really didn't plan on doing this show live um like the the previous on the brink of horror i just had some people um send me some audio clips of them talking about clockwork orange and then i just pieced it together my job was easy didn't quite didn't quite pull that off this time so i just i'm doing it live man i'm doing it live 
I'm, I'm going to tell you, I pulled it off. I did my part. You and then right at the end of I know doing I... my part where I recorded my little segment, I get your email. Hey, we're going live, buddy. Well, Fine. you know, Fine. I I appreciate what you did, man. You did a really good job the last uh, on the brink of horror talking about Clockwork Orange. I got a lot of positive feedback the morning after on that episode. Oh, can't you see the morning after? Why don't we cross the bridge together? Um, <laughs> nice, nice, good, good. I'm, glad to, I'm glad to hear it. But okay, so now we're here to talk about the Poseidon adventure. So before we get into that, let me read the synopsis for the film. At midnight on New Year's Eve, the SS Poseidon is struck by a 90-foot tidal wave and capsizes. Reverend Frank Scott leads nine survivors up through the bowels of the inverted ship, struggling through steam, fire, and rising water to reach the bottom of the ship. The film was directed by Roland Nemi, who also directed Meteor and The Odessa File. The film stars way too many people to list, but they all won Oscars. Um, but I will say it does star Gene Hackman and Shelley Winters. So tell me, Chip, what did you think of the Poseidon Adventure? So the Poseidon Adventure, so I, it came out in 1972, 73. Mm, I, was, I was three years old. Yeah, and I was three years old. It took me, and it spearheaded the uh, the the 70s disaster yes. film era. I mean, it, 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 that was his purpose. In fact, the guy who, who directed it, his name became associated with disaster films, even though he didn't make that many afterwards. Although he did, uh, what, Towering Inferno too, I believe. Um, I don't know if the guy, uh, Roland Neamey directed this one, but or you're thinking of Erwin Allen. He produced yeah, it. That's right. The producer. That's yeah. right. And so it, historically, it's an important film, but it took me 48 years to see it. <laughs> so um, I just got around. What were you doing watch. this whole time? Yeah. Uh, apparently not watching disaster films from the 70s, but uh, it, it, it solidified one thing for me, how much I love practical VFX. Mm. Uh, you cannot reach the feelings and the connection to the events in this film that you, with, with CGI. I've never felt that connected with, with uh, the, that. Well, first of all, we should talk about, is this a horror film? Ah, is if it can, on the brink of horror? horror? You have a horror film podcast, and I want to make sure a disaster film qualifies as a horror film. And and you know, my first answer would be, well, hell yeah, it was horrifying. I mean, imagine yeah. being in the position. It's not a it's not a supernatural scary guy with a machete jumping out at you. It's something that I had to Google it is possible. The flipping of a cruise ship is possible, and that that freaks me out. I Hell didn't know yeah. exactly what happened. I knew there was a tragedy at sea, but I didn't know that's what happened in this movie till they're at the New Year's Eve ball and suddenly the whole room is upside down. Mm -hmm. And that was mind-blowing. And when they all came to the realization of what happened, that actually sunk in pretty hard. And so for the rest of the film to be filmed that way, the aesthetic of this film was, was amazing. You could not have CGI'd that. You could not have green screened any of that. It was fantastic. That part was fantastic. There was some stuff I did not like. Well, let's talk about the stuff you liked first. Um, I like practical effects as well. Um, mm. I, you can kind of tell it was a model ship. It was, you know, miniature. You know, um, in the beginning, the very first shots, though, they're so good. They are good, but that is a miniature. I actually, 
I, I know it, it took, but 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 I didn't. That didn't click initially. At first, I was like, "Wow, this is a great drone shot." Yeah, I think I think I think it's a bigature. You know, like yes, they they yes. did a really big model shit because when water when you're doing models on water, it, it, you can kind of tell because of the the way water looks when it's blow it up the, the um, wave uh, the wave correlation to the object is, is a little there's different. some scientific shit that i can google later that will i will uh solidify what i'm trying to say but yeah we um, should, we, that's the kind <laughs> of thing we look up that's the kind of thing we look up the morning after oh can't you see the morning after it's waiting right outside the store why don't we cross the bridge to Yes, it is. And I'm going to do that. Um, I really love, you know, there's a couple of really cool shots um, when the ship capsizes and everybody's hanging on the tables. Yeah, that's a really fucking good shot. But I also have a question about why aren't the chairs falling? <laughs> Did you notice that? Like, yeah, I, I, can, sure. I can understand why the tables didn't fall. Because yeah. they, they were bolted, but were the chairs bolted too? <laughs> yeah, my first thought was, how do you turn in those chairs if they don't go anywhere? Yeah. At, uh, but, but you know, following that up, though, when everything did fall, well, first of all, when they were filming it, I, I researched some of this, when they were filming it, they all took the tumble. I mean, these are actors doing stunt work right there and then. That's and the 70s, man. That, yeah, exactly. You're in it to win it. And, and uh <laughs> Apparently, there were no actual serious injuries in the filming of this, but it was amazing watching it, thinking these people are doing it. They're they're falling with the ship. But that scene with the Christmas tree, when the tree falls, mm-hmm. that actually gave me shivers. That was downright scary because it was a real freaking giant tree, and you could tell the actors were there. They were in it. Yeah, I heard this was a grueling shoot for the actors. They yep. filmed this in in order of a sequence, uh, you know, from beginning some, a lot of times they film movies out of sequence, right. but the director wanted to show the progression of, uh, of the actors going through this ordeal. And so they would progressively get worse and worse and more haggard looking. And it's like, by the end of the, of filming this movie, they're like, fuck the Poseidon venture. <laughs> like they were, they were done with this film and you could tell on their faces, like uh, we've had it. We're, we're ready to go home. Right. And I think that plays well. Uh, I mean, Shelly Winters, uh, she was phenomenal in this film. She was nominated oh, for she, Academy Award. She um, blew me away. Yeah. And, and I, that, I like Gene Hackman too. Well, so here's the thing. The, 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 problem, the problem I have with the film. So yeah, the special effects, mm. they create a connection with the scenarios that are happening that you can't replicate with CGI or anything like that. And, and you know, that's the, the concept of these, or the original concept, at least, of these uh, disaster films is it's the story of every man and every woman somehow surviving the struggle and overcoming these major obstacles. So they want you to feel as relatable or as, as connected to these characters as possible and connected to the scenarios. Through the practical effects, you feel very connected to the scenarios. Mm-hmm. But there's a watching this 48 years later than the time period, I did notice a huge disconnect between how we relate to each other now as humans in terms of uh, communication and stuff and how the overacting tropes of the 70s don't <laughs> let you connect with those characters too much. And, you know, you like Gene Hackman. I thought he was a dick. No, no, he was a total dick. But I, there's something, 
He's got screen presence, man. You cannot deny it. Right. There, I mean, but, and that's the only reason I believed people would follow him was because of that. That, that he was he was an asshole priest, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's, and that's different from the modern leader trope that's presented. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's tougher to connect with something back then when we're used to something a little more uh, empathetic, you know, these days. And he was uh, he was just a prick in that movie. Um, and and that was the other thing connecting with some of the other characters like uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine. Oh yeah. I, I, he, I couldn't stand him. He was so annoying. He, he had. <laughs> Did you like anybody in this film? <laughs> Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine. All he had was one speed in this thing, and that was to be angry. And that was yes. to be angry at everything. I know it kind of wears on you after a while. It got to the point where I'm like, okay, I want you to die. And unfortunately, <laughs> his awesome wife, who was kind of a badass in her own right, some yeah, ways yeah. more badass than him, she died, and that was a bummer. But the one that annoyed me the most was uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, well, for one thing, there's a hit song that came out of this movie hmm. called The Morning After. Oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together? And- and it was sung by, uh, what was her name, Carol Langley? Carol, Carol Lenny, she's the actress who does the song in the movie, but she was voiced she over was, by another artist that did yeah, the actual song. Her, her character, I, I have it in my notes. I have it in my mm. notes right here. It says, I hope Nani dies because <laughs> she- yeah, That's just rude, man. I It is. It's heartless, but, <laughs> but no, I, I understand. This you're you're going to feel bad the morning after. For saying that. <laughs> oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together? <laughs> I mean, every, every even now, there's still the cliche of there's always that one character who wants to be left behind. But something about in this movie, they were trying to present her trauma as this really annoying whiny uh, uh voice of a person of a you know shell of a person and i it it grated on me and, mm. and there, it's to the point where i didn't want to see her in any more scenes um <laughs> no matter how much you know what's his I, I like I, I like carol Lindley as an actress she was in um one of my favorite vampire movies that i talked about recently the night stalker from 1972 mm. she plays uh, Carl Kolchek's girlfriend in that movie. And I love her in that film. Um, and this one, I agree. She, she can be a little grating at times. I mean, what it was just do? that, it was just that, uh, that, that overacting seventies style. Mm-hmm. It was a stylized choice probably made by everybody involved that I think modern eyes, including my own had a hard time relating with. And it was frustrating. So a lot of these, Oh, and there was one more thing that I thought was a little interesting Hmm. the i don't know if this is me because i'm just older and i grew up with these with these actors you know i got to watch these actors growing up so in my mind these actors have always been older considerably okay. older so when i see somebody like red buttons or uh, gene hackman having some kind of interest or having somebody interested in them in a film that's that seem that it's a woman they seem much younger so carol carol what's her name carol lindley 
Daryl Lindley seemed a lot younger than Red Buttons, and, and that one girl seemed like a teenager. <laughs> it's true, man. And so there's this. It was a '70s trope of much older guy must come in and save much younger woman, and that seemed prevalent here. That that didn't age well. That didn't age well to the sensibilities of the modern eyeballs. I think. Yeah, I always felt kind of odd about that relationship too. If, but it was the '70s. You know, things were different then. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the thing. We want to write it off that way, but it, <laughs> but but it's tough for me. It was tough to connect to the characters in many in many yeah. senses. But I did connect with Leslie Nielsen in the beginning because I kept wanting to, to say I, I kept. Oh, yeah, it was cool. I kept waiting for something like, "Hey, nice beaver," you know, something like that. So he plays good. it straight in this movie, but yeah, you're right. You're expecting him to to bust out his airplane persona. But that's the thing. His airplane persona is exactly the same. That's why he was so good. Yeah, because he started as a straight actor and he kept going as a straight actor in ridiculously <laughs> well written movies that were funny. So you got to see the the origin of that straight actor, that straight character he does. Now, unlike you, I saw this movie when I was a kid, um, and it was always an event when this came on TV. I just remember loving this film. Like it would come on Channel Two, you know, in the eighties, and like I said, it, it was just this big event, bit event movie. And um, I, I've always loved this movie. It, is it? Does it age well? Some parts of it, yeah. Is it too long? Yes, <laughs> it is a little too long, um, but it's fun. Let's, let's look at it this way. It's it's a similar, in some ways, it's a similar premise to Lord of the Rings. It's a bunch mm. of people walking along ways okay. to save themselves and save and save others. And so the uh, the interesting thing about Lord of the Rings, though, is I could never connect with those characters in those scenarios because they were completely CGI'd and they were completely, you know, uh, unrelatable. And I, granted, these are two completely different scenarios and this is a ridiculous comparison, but still the basics are the same. You know, it's a journey of heroes, right? And it's in true. this movie, in this movie, at least on some level, I could relate to the characters a little bit, but I could definitely relate to the situations because of those practical effects and because of the beautiful aesthetics of the ship. They did such a good job on the set. And that song, uh, that it won uh, Academy Award for Best Song. What was that song called again? Oh, yeah, The Morning After. Ah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together? Um, so I like to end the reviews. Uh, this was the best chat ever. Um, I like to end the reviews, uh, with the, not a review. I like to end the chats. I can't even talk, dude. I'm all discombobulated from this chat. Yeah. Wait Um, wait to see how you feel the morning after. Oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together? Oh man, you know, uh, you know that one scene where the guy falls in that stained glass window. 
And this, yeah. and the, I heard he was really sore the morning after. Oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together? That was, he was actually a stuntman turned actor, and they asked him to be a stuntman again. Really? That's, that's you did some story. research on that guy? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he, oh, he actually said, I don't want to do that stunt. And he said, wait, that was your idea initially. And he said, yeah, but I'm an actor now. And so they, they made him do the stunt. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I, I like to end this chats with the review that came out uh, the year the movie came out. And this is a real quick little blurb from Roger Ebert. He gave the film two and a half stars and said, this is a wonderful formula. I love it. The Poseidon Adventure is the kind of movie you know is going to be awful. But yet somehow you got to see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any final words on the Poseidon adventure, Chip? If, should you watch it? And I would say yes, if, if only from the historical standpoint of a beautifully filmed movie that created a genre. Might you, you might not attach yourself to any of the characters, and that's fine. You might not like the overacting, but visually it's a treat. There you go. And you feel way better watching it the morning after. <laughs> Absolutely. I always wondered what happened to the characters when they get out of the boat the morning after. Right, cool. Hey, Chip, uh, we'll see you again soon. I hope so. All right, man. Oh, can't you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the store. Why don't we cross the bridge together And find a place that's safe and warm It's not too late We should be giving Only with love can we fly it's Where did that love come from? They bought it at Gibraltar They're on the way to Sicily a free trip for free music. They're going to a jazz festival. There's got to be a morning after. Morning after? Oh, I can't take this stuff. Give me a Strauss Waltz anytime. I'd rather fancy it. You? You even fancy bagpipes.